You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. to Force Perspectives for part five of Ahsoka Shadow Warrior. I am your host, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, the illustrious Joe Hogan. Hey, boy. How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm fine, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, I, I know that no one's going to hear this until after the strike ends. So it's like, <laughs> what's even the point of saying anything? But, like, I'm just wondering when this show is actually going to, like, you know, start to tell a story and get good. Because, like, yeah. this episode, it was like, come on, man. These are all just, you're just showing us things that we've already seen <laughs> in Clone news. Wars. Like, like, what the heck, man? No, I. I, if you're like screaming at your podcast app right now, obviously that is not the way that I feel. <laughs> this it was one of the best hours of Star Wars television to date. Um, on flipping believable, dude. That's not the word that I want to use, but it, <laughs> like, family show. dude, I hmm, I said it last week when we recorded. I think that, and I don't remember if it was when I recorded or if it was just you and me talking, but like. I think this might be the best Star Wars show. Um, I think I said that last week and I am now saying this is it. This is the best one. This is the best one because like I love Obi-Wan. I love Star Wars Rebels. I love I, I Mando and Book of Boba Fett. Like I, I genuinely have enjoyed everything that's that's come out um, and or causes me a lot of stress and isn't exactly what I want, but I recognize its quality um, and did enjoy watching it, even though it definitely like raised my blood pressure. But I, I, but this show in particular is the best star Wars show because it's literally everything great about all of those other shows that I just said, it's in this show. It's all in this one show. All of it is in this one show. So that makes it that by definition, the best it's like, Hey, what are all of the best things from all of these other things? Yeah. Just make sure that there's a healthy dose of every single aspect of that in this one television show. Uh, but yeah, uh, this, and this last episode was just like unbelievable. But what, what did you think of it? I'm very happy. Uh, I think that I no longer have the right to ask Star Wars to do anything ever again because the one thing I was asking for, I got it, and yeah. I got it great, and yeah. I'm happy, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think I am ever allowed to complain about Star Wars ever again. Is is how I'm feeling right now. Amazing episode. Um, yeah, I don't, I I don't know that it's my favorite Star Wars show. That's Clone Wars, and I'm probably very biased for me, um, but. Probably my favorite live action show. Uh, yeah, I, I, I will, I will, I will clarify. I, Rebels is still my favorite because Rebels okay. is 
animated <laughs> and <laughs> unlike the majority of star wars fans i'm i actually put the animated stuff over everything else um like like star wars rebels is my favorite star wars full stop like just that's it like mm. every everything else to me now is based on that metric like like that is the that's the high watermark that's the that's the, that's my barometer for for whether or not I'm enjoying this piece of Star Wars content. Um, and I'll forgive a lot of things in animation that I won't forgive in live action. Um, and Rebels is a really great example of that, because there are some episodes of Rebels that I think that most people would be like, really, this is your favorite Star Wars? And it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> you have to take it as a whole. All, you know, four seasons and shorts and the Kanan comic that and and New Dawn like everything that supports it, um, not to mention you know uh, an, uh, an episode of uh, uh, Bad Batch and you know some Clone Wars content and all of that like, but it is but Rebels the tone the art style um, the performances the characters is all like it is exactly the star Wars that I want. Like it is mm. exactly the star Wars that I want. Ahsoka, I think is then like taking that and, and elevating it a little bit, making it a little, we talked about this before, right? It's, it's just because it's live action, it's taking it a little bit more seriously. It's a little bit more mature. Um, so I think that I, if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm sort of putting, you know, an objective label on a piece of star Wars content, which is kind of pointless. But if I'm doing that, then I'm looking at Ahsoka and I'm going like, this is the best show that they've done so far. It's, it's like, it's like how I'll say that like the last Jedi is the best movie that's been made since, since Disney took over. Um, but solo is my favorite by a long shot. Like it's not even close. I, like, I'm not going to argue with anybody that solo is the best made star Wars movie. But Solo is my favorite novels are the the Brian Daly Han Solo novels, right? Like I just I I love the adventure and the pulp and like the just like craziness of them. Um, and Solo somehow managed to capture exactly what's in those books, but tell a whole new story. Uh, which we got the news this week that that the Lando series is now going to be a Lando movie, and I'm really hoping that they just call it Lando, a Star Wars story, and that Alden <laughs> is in it, and that it's just literally Solo too, right? That that like we just continue um, telling stories with those characters in that time period. But I, I, yeah, like I, it, it, like favorite and best don't necessarily mean the same thing. Yeah, that's but, fair. But um. Uh, but I look at Ahsoka and I go like, in terms of like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to categorize the things that make star Wars good, right. I like meaningful relationships between characters. Number one, but that's always going to be number one. If you think about star Wars rebels and clone wars, which are two of my favorite pieces of star Wars, you can understand why I consider that number one and why those are so held in such high regard. Cause th that's the priority of those shows. Right. And then, um, like for me, literally weirdness is number two. Like, like you have to, your star Wars has to be weird. If your star Wars is not weird, if it's not off the beaten path, if it doesn't make you scratch your head and question what the heck it is you're watching, then it's not star Wars. It's just not because like, like a new hope starts with these two robots and I, uh, and then there's this like, there's this like girl in a hood and this black ro robot man. 
and like what's going on they're on the they're in a desert and these little glowing eye hood creatures they took the robots and it's like okay so now we're gonna meet our hero <laughs> like like we don't get to what people consider the core of star wars like what people go like, oh that's star wars for a very long time in that movie we spend a lot of time in in weird land before we ever it's like if you were doing the wizard of oz and instead of the movie starting with dorothy getting picked up by a tornado and dropped in oz you literally like you just hung out with the scarecrow for like 25 <laughs> minutes and it is like yep he's there he is, people walking by and then eventually this girl comes by and helps him out and then you're like okay oh now the story's starting okay okay i get it now i get it right like like that star wars and Mm. then and then like the style and the the you know like spaceships lightsabers duels all of that stuff is is like third for me like that like but if you want if you want to make good star wars you have to start with characters and then you got to get funky man you have to you have to fly your spaceship inside the mouth of a space whale in order to make it to another galaxy <laughs> like i just it's it's it is one of those things that like and th- this is where andor loses major marks for me every time this is what i talk about constantly is that like andor is just a bunch of people talking on a star wars backdrop and as and as well made as it is and as well written as as it is um and meaningful the story is it at the end of the day it it puts the plot and politics first it puts character third and style second like it, it and weirdness very rarely enters into it there there is the great moment with um my two of my favorite moments from that show are when uh when he bumps into the guy who's like trying to shake him down for money and he, and then he's got the enforcer guy and <laughs> Cassian says he's like come on man like this isn't you and it's like he's this gigantic monster man but it's like he's a, he's obviously just a big softy right um I love that and then and then the two weird aliens the two the the those two weird fisherman alien guys that that um that yeah that help them get off planet or whatever With like quad jet yeah the quad jumper yeah like yeah. yeah that like I love I love those moments and then there's one other moment that sticks out to me, which is that like when when they're when we first are on Niamos and uh, uh, which is the 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 beach resort, right? And there's just a shot, and it's like a bunch of people sitting on the this weird uh, cement embankment thing, looking at water, I guess. Uh, and uh, and there's just a weird alien. There's a weird alien there. I'm like, if that's like if that's the best you can do that's not good enough it's just not good enough for me you know in terms of like making it a star wars Mm -hmm. you know i want to it's got it like like give me give me glowing ice pops you know (laughs) like because like that's the that's the when we're watching star wars those are the things that like push us past star trek or Battlestar galactica or yeah. like some of these other things that are also great franchises i don't really care about Battlestar galactica which i people get mad at me for but um but star trek i love right and star star trek can be super weird too but in different ways um but i i 
Star Trek will often like try and like, oh, we're in space where everything's the future or whatever. And then they'll try and ground it with mundane things. Right. That like 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 Riker plays the the uh, the trombone or whatever. And it's like, OK, he doesn't play a weird space instrument. He just plays a trombone. I I and 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 Picard or T Earl Grey hot. Right. Like it's like like these are very like normal human things. So they kind of go the opposite way with Star Wars this was a George thing, right. Of like everywhere that you have the opportunity to make it just a little bit weird and a little bit alien do it. Right. So like if you, if a cantina scene is outside, like if it feels out of place in your star Wars, then you're not making a good star Wars, you know, like that to me, that's, that's the thing. And this, this show Dude, this show takes weird and like it's a central character in this show. <laughs> like they're just like whether it's I uh, like just Balin and and Shin are like they're not weird in that same sense of like space whales or anything like that, but like there's something off about it, right? Like there's just there's there's something going on there, right? There's something otherworldly, ethereal, mystical about their presence. Um, I, I, you know, like I, the, uh, the, 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 the night sister stuff being brought into it. Um, the, the assassin droids are like the, the assassin droids have like just this eerie quality to them. Like Dave, I, this is uh, what I'm getting at is that Dave just gets it right. Like Dave gets what the aesthetic is and what the, um, but more than just the look, because like Andor has the look, right? Everything looks like Star Wars. That's fine. Production design wise, it all looks like Star Wars. But Dave also like gets the vibe, right? Like, like, mm. like he understands. He just under like it's really hard to put it into words because it's not. This is this is not a left brain thing. This is a right brain thing, right? Like this is this is totally a feeling and vibe is the best word that I have for it, right? Of like it's just like it's it's the thing about Star Wars where like everything imperial is over a chasm and there are no guardrails. And like, we don't really question it, right? Like we make jokes about it after the fact, but when you're watching Star Wars and Kylo Ren steps out on this thing and Han Solo comes out to meet him and there's no guardrails, they're just standing in the middle of a giant pit, right? Like they're just on this bridge with this pit and you're just like, yep, that's super Star Wars. Like it's just, (laughs) it's just so Star Wars. Um, it's stuff like that where it's like it's really hard to explain it but it is just a vibe like it is just uh, uh it's it goes beyond aesthetic and style into just like i don't know uh, it's it, it's it's there's an ineffable quality about it right which i think is what makes it so hard to get it right it's what makes it so difficult to really nail it down um but this episode in particular, this episode just like lives inside that. I mean, like we start in the world between worlds and we go like this is the cave on like acid. Like it like like <laughs> like the like the cave on Dagobah is like, hey, take it down a notch. All right. Yeah. Like like you're 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 going a little hard. Um, cause yeah, we just we we see 
everything we wanted to see. I can't. I still can't believe it. I still can't believe that they went the places that they went and showed us what they showed us. Um, and especially like in the specific context that they showed it to us, right? Where I watched this episode with Kara. She watched the first. She's seen the first episode. She hasn't seen any of the rest of the series. Um, but she watched this episode with me. And she she used it as an excuse to stay up late. Um, <laughs> smart, so smart. It was, it was a strategic move, and it made sense. Um, and I, she was like, "Is this happening?" And I and like like our conversation on the last episode, right? I was like, "It is and it isn't. Like it's yes, it's happening and it's real, but it's not happening in reality." It was like trying to explain it to a seven-year-old, although she understood it a lot better than you did. So, um... I mean, that's most <laughs> concepts in general. Seven-year-olds are smarter than me, so yeah. I'm not really surprised about that. Um, but yeah, like we, as as it was going on, and, and like she, she understood. She said it before I said it. She was like, "So it's, this is like a dream," and I'm like, "I was like it." It is a dream, but it's like a but it's a dream that's real. It's a dream that's really happening, but the rules are the same as a dream. So like she's in control of it, but like it's but it it but it's still it's still there's danger here, right? Like it's still dangerous. There is still something on the line. There is there are still stakes, but but um but is this happening in the real world? No, like this isn't happening right now. These are things that have already happened and some of it is how it happened. And some of it is the two of them having a conversation in the midst of a memory, right? Like mm. it just like, I can't, I can't, um, I ha it's difficult It's a podcast. So the whole point of it is to put these things into words, but I am having a difficult <laughs> time putting into words how much I appreciate what, dave did in this episode and we can really in this instance say dave because he wrote and directed this one right yeah and this is obviously something that he's been building to since the end of season two of star wars rebels um and i think that like like everything that we've gotten up until this point have just been hints and and sort of stepping stones along the path to get us to literally to this scene um or even a series of scenes, because it's not just one scene, right? But, but like this, this confrontation slash reunion between Anakin and Ahsoka, um, it just like like th this is this is what we're all here for, and I think that that's I think that's why it's resonating with so many people. If you've been watching since Clone Wars. And you've had that relationship with Ahsoka where you hated her and then you kind of learned to tolerate her and then you slowly learned to love her. And now you can't imagine Star Wars without her. <laughs> right. You're, you're actually describing me. That's, yeah. That's no, I mean, it's this that I was on. It's not. It's I don't think that it's even remotely unique. I think that I don't think it was by design. I don't think that the intention was for people to have such disdain for her at the beginning i think that they thought that they were making a kid's show and then they realized okay kids are watching but there are a lot of adults watching this mm. um star wars <laughs> fans in general are watching this and they pivot in season three right 
um, which is as fast as they could do it because by the time that the movie comes out, they're already into production on season three. Right. Sure. So that's why, that's why you see, you see the, the, it, it takes them that long to respond, but, um, but then like from season three forward, like the, the, the tone of the show shifts quite a bit. And, and that's when it really becomes, I think what we all remember Clone Wars as. So every time you go back to start season one again, it's like, oh yeah, season one was a little bit rough. I mean, like parts <laughs> of it are not parts of parts of season one are some of the best Clone Wars, right? Like Trespass remains my favorite episode of the series. Um, it is just a really great 22 minutes of television. Um, I like the first episode because like I saw the movie, yeah. really disliked it, really disliked the movie. And almost didn't watch the show because of how much I disliked the movie. And then I heard, oh, no, the first episode is just Yoda and some clones. I was like, all right, that sounds kind of cool. Let me give it a shot. And I still love that. It's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. And and um, I mean, like you go from that one into the Malevolence trilogy of episodes and then the Malevolence stuff is great. The Mm -hmm. the Ryloth stuff in season one is great. Mm -hmm. Um, There's there's a lot of really, really good stuff in season one, actually. But I. I, but yeah, I, there's also, there's also blue shadow virus. So like, you know. <laughs> it never bothered me that much, honestly. No, I think oh. it's great, but it, it's, it's, it's definitely not on my, I can't yeah. ever watch this episode again list. <laughs> that two, that two parter, I, I could skip every time. Like I never need to watch that ever. Again. <laughs> I don't, I don't hate it. I don't, hate um, it. I, but yeah, it, it like, I, 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 I do think that that, that, that journey with that character um it's it's pretty common among among those of us who've watched all of it right mm. if you if you were there sort of like on the day uh from clone wars through rebels through mando and book of boba fett to this i think uh i i i i it's i would you have to be really like intellectually dishonest with yourself to not be at the point that we're at, because I do think that her story has been really well crafted over the years. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that Ahsoka is potentially the strongest character in star Wars because of it, because of, of the amount of screen time that's been dedicated to her character development, because she has existed in the television shows primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously she's been in comic books and, and, and novels and stuff like that. But, but primarily like, like it's been this longer form storytelling that that she grew up in, right? Um, and it was also Dave was also kind of there from the beginning, with yeah. Her. So well, it was I mean, one consistent, you know, story, yeah. Essentially, it wasn't just like you know, yeah. I'm, as much as I love Star Wars creators and and having different cooks in the kitchen, it's it's pretty neat to see her story develop over time. You know, I don't know if this was always always the plan to have her develop in this way, but yeah. I like her. You know, I like I like Dave's vision and at least what it's become from from the beginning. And I like that. You know, maybe there wasn't that consistency in the beginning. It was a lot of George was the one kind of steering the ship, but you know, Dave obviously learned from the maker very yeah. well. And uh, it's I th- I think what's going to be really what's going to be really interesting is when we get Ezra back, because I think like there's a, there's, there are three components here, right? Like Luke is George's character. Right. Mm. 
And then Ahsoka belongs to the two of them. It belongs mm-hmm. to both George and Dave. They created that character together and told most of her story thus far together. Um, Grogu and Din belong to John Favreau, I think. I, <laughs> right. But Ezra is is Dave's Luke, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so having like when he comes back and, 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 and whatever story we have to tell with Ezra, I think will be really interesting to see. Cause I think that as, as much as Dave has been thinking about Ahsoka and as important as Ahsoka is to him, I, I think that like, that's the character that, that, that he owns the most. Um, but uh, cause, right. Cause like, cause, cause like Ezra is his Luke Kanan is his Obi-Wan. Like those were his chance to play with those archetypes and, uh, and and tell that type of story right so uh and 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 Hera is very much his leia and like 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 he he they built out the ghost crew the way that they did for a reason right um but i i yeah it's gonna be very interesting to see what direction that character goes in and how how that character is played with when he returns but at the moment it's like Ahsoka is as much a central character to Star Wars as as Luke is in reality. Not Luke in like the minds of a lot of the fans. Um, I think I think we talk about this all the time, right? That like there's a there is an attachment to Luke that um borders on unhealthy for some people. Uh in the sense that like it's literally stopping them from enjoying Star Wars, right? Because they have a preconceived notion of who Luke Skywalker was to them. Uh, and I think that the EU, right, the Legends canon, did a lot of damage to that character because they turned him into a superhero um, just by virtue of, you know, you got to have Luke on the cover of every novel. So, um, you know, he's going to be everywhere all the time and can't die, <laughs> right? Like, mm. I, which is which is absurd, um the way that that character was handled in the eu i'm like it's it's not to say that there aren't great moments there absolutely are and you don't get that without him being persistent throughout all of it but if you really really want to serve that character you 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 kill him pretty quick into the eu right like you do dark empire you can like like he is the one who should have died at the beginning of new jedi order (laughs) like like that's like that's if you really wanted to serve that character that would have made the most sense, but instead, you know, he gets just like, just, just ground into dust by, uh, by writers over the years. Just, just like everything interesting about Luke Skywalker is just like eroded by the time you get to the end of the new Jedi order. Cause he's been everything to everyone all the time. So he really doesn't have a character. Mm. Um, and then you, and then you, you know, come back with Last Jedi, and everybody gets mad about it because it's like, well, well, all of a sudden, a creator is treating that character's actual journey with respect and giving it, like, give, giving it an arc and and finality, right? Um, as much finality as you can have in Star Wars, because these characters can always come back in one way or another. Case in point, this episode with Anakin, right? Like <laughs> everybody's like, "Oh, we know everything there is to know about Anakin," and it's like, "No, he's he." Anakin persists after his physical death, right? And we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But like, um, 
I think if you if you look at the meaningful stories that were told with Luke and the meaningful stories that have been told with Ahsoka on paper, you know, like it is like they are they are equal as far as I'm concerned. Like like those those two characters stand side by side. Um which makes their standing side by side in Book of Boba Fett that much more interesting to me because I I I look at it and I go, Okay, these two are um she's a, she is a little bit of a mentor to him but like it's weird the 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 vibe there is not you know because like obi-wan is like oh here's this other this surrogate father figure for you um i he, he like he sort of plays that role to luke but and with ahsoka it's like well she's old enough that you could be like i guess like she's got kind of uh, uh, you know, an aunt, I guess, but that's not really the vibe. The vibe is more just like an older cousin, right? Like, like it's a, uh, like, like they're, they're like, they're related, but there's not, there's not the authority there. Cause they're more peers than they are. than there is a hierarchy sort of thing. Um, especially because Ahsoka has like stalled out on her training, um, mm. which this episode really confirms for us that like, you know, I, I, did she, did she ever technically become a knight? No, she doesn't. Right. Because she, she hands her braid to Anakin. Yeah. No, she she's leaves, always right? been a Padawan. Yes. Yeah. So she's never, she's never technically been a Jedi knight. Um, although, um, I, I would argue in the same way that Anakin faces his trials in attack of the clones and Luke faces his trials in, uh, in empire. And then his final trial in, in uh, return of the Jedi, right. To become mm. a Jedi Knight. I uh, Ahsoka's trials were the end of season five, right? Like the, the, the that whole thing was her trial. Mm-hmm. Um, which is basically what the council says to her, isn't it? Is that like, oh, like that? That was their nonsense at the end of the at the yeah, end of that. Oh, arc, right? this was a trial for you. Yeah, was it though? Was it the trial? Yeah, um, yeah, because they basically are like, you're a you're a Jedi Knight now, and then she's like, no, I'm not. I don't accept. I'm leaving the order. <laughs> like she walks away from it. But they were basically like ready to knight her right then and there. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things of like in the eyes of the order she was ready but it never technically happened but in the right. eyes of the force it's like what does a jedi knight mean right and it's mm. like is she a jedi knight absolutely 100 percent not um but anyways like like her her i i i take this episode as anakin saying like like okay now like this is it like this is actually your final trial this is it this is time to complete your training and um when he says at the end of the episode there's hope for you yet I, like to me that is the thing of like okay all this nonsense that you've been saying for years of like i am no jedi all of that sort of thing like that's like like that can fall away now and obviously the costume changed she's ahsoka the white now all of the gandalf parallels and everything it's like I th- I think I think I don't think that we're gonna get it flat out said, but I think that if you read between the lines, that's what Dave is telling us is that mm. like she is officially now a Jedi in the same way that Luke was the second that he tossed his lightsaber right to the yeah. ground and said I I I won't do it, you failed right. Um, 
it's it's the same thing. And it's the same action, right? She she she's disarmed. She takes his lightsaber and then she tosses his lightsaber. Um, it's all the parallels are 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 <laughs> so good, dude. They're so good. Um, but yeah, I. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I've I'm just rambling, but like it's really <laughs> difficult. There, I don't. I just don't know that there's a way to like to cohesively talk about an episode like this. It yeah. has to. It a lot like last week when we were talking, and it was like okay, like we're like I'm trying to explain how I feel about the world between worlds and define it for you, but like the like the literal reality of it is that like it 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 escapes definition by definition right Mm -hmm. so it's like in the act of trying to define it you'll just give yourself a headache yeah Um, circles and i and i think this is this is this is a similar thing of like this is not this is where dave's so good because this the stuff that he did with kanan was exactly the same and i'll bet you anything i will bet you anything if you go back and you listen to the episodes of rebels uh, like of of rebel cells when when we were going through that stuff with Kanan being blinded and him trying to figure out how to move forward and all that stuff, um, uh, and especially like like Doom and and Jedi Knight like those episodes, uh, it, this is something that you have to feel your way through. Like you you just you have to. And Dave is so good at this specific type of storytelling. This is what George saw that he, that, that he hired Dave over anybody else because like technical qualifications, whatever there were a hundred guys who could, who, who were qualified at the time to, to show run a star Wars animated series. Right. Um, And I'll say like, like when you look at bad batch, you look at, I, I, resistance they are competently capably well-run shows um and and those those are people that were trained by dave uh and came up you know alongside him um working on clone wars and rebels but that that ineffable quality that i'm talking about with star wars it's not as strong in those as it is with the stuff that Dave does, the stuff that Dave works directly on as rebels, clone wars, Mando, and now Ahsoka, right? Like they're cause really like the, you can tell the episodes of Mando where Dave was hands-on and the <laughs> ones where he was just kind of like hanging back. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, cause it does it just, like that aspect of it just cranks up a notch. It just cranks up a notch. And I don't, I don't know if it's something that you can teach. I, it, it, um, I, I, I do think that it's like a, it's a sensibility, right? It's, 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 um, it is, it's a lot like how we've been talking about attunement to the force, right? It's like, everybody has it. Everybody can do it. You can train and learn to sense the force, but some, individuals just the luke says this in the rise of kylo ren comic it's like the door the door is just open wider for some people 
than it is for others. Like it's just, they just, they just start in a place of having that door open wider. Um, and so it looks like it's easier, but it's really just, it's, it's really just an attunement. It's really just, just a starting place. <laughs> so I think that everybody could get there. So maybe you can train it, but you could learn it. But, but I think that like Dave and George, like, I think George recognized in Dave, like a natural, um, inclination towards this stuff and 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 i will support that further by saying like if you haven't watched avatar the last airbender watch avatar the last airbender because this stuff that i'm talking about is in that too right like the the in the last season the turtle lion stuff right like it just like that is as star wars as anything that's not star wars has ever been <laughs> like ang is talking to an island that is a a turtle with a lion's face i i that teaches him about the force because it literally does um yeah i mean like that thing that's that thing's the bendu (laughs) it's it is exactly the same thing um (laughs) but yeah yeah i i don't know it's that's why it's just it's really difficult it's really difficult to talk about to stay on on topic on track in some way or have some sort of like cohesive conversation about this. Cause it is just, uh, we're just kind of stumbling around in fog, <laughs> you know, literally. Yeah. Very literally. Just um, like the flashbacks. I've talked a lot. You have about a lot. You what, have. what, what, what else? It's, <laughs> well, steer me, well, steer me in a direction. You're, Joe. you're always very big picture. And very like implications and all that stuff, and I I feel like I'm usually I get caught not caught because like it's I appreciate these things. Yeah. I'm I'm watching these episodes and yeah I'm thinking about that stuff, but like the details, like the details that come up, those are the things that I get most excited about. Um, so like that you know this episode had so many things, but like. The thing that I keep coming back to, because I've rewatched it about three or four times now, um, is just how natural Hayden's acting was with having Ahsoka be his Padawan. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like I remember a few years back when he was coming back for Kenobi. I feel like I remember reading that he said he watched all of Clone Wars yeah, to kind of prepare of, oh, where else has Anakin been like to try to get into his head, even though Ahsoka was obviously not involved in that. Um, But like he went out of his way to kind of do his homework. You know what I mean? And the fact that this is the first time we've ever seen Anakin Skywalker live action speaking to Ahsoka it felt like it felt like Matt Lanter is Anakin, but still like it's Hayden. It's Hayden Anakin. <laughs> yep. But like it felt like such a smooth, seamless blend yeah. of those two totally different portrayals of that character. Um, it was perfect. It was perfect. And then the fact that he still has it with a lightsaber, like oh, I God. the twirl am, the the signature Anakin twirl, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have never been. I think more impressed with any Star Wars actors acting and performance mm-hmm. than Hayden Christensen in this episode. Yeah. And I never thought he was a bad actor. Like I've always, yeah. I've yeah. kind of always been of the, the impression that, all right, 
George's is is a, a wonderful visionary. He's a, he's like like I I obviously love Star Wars. It all came from George, but like his directing on the prequels, I have my feelings on them. They're not always <laughs> uh, the most complimentary, yeah. but. I think Hayden did the best with what he was given. And I'm not trying to slight anybody or whatever. I do think what he was given in this show was better crafted for a performance than what he was given to deal with uh, in the prequels. And because of that, he, he crushed it. He crushed. He was so good this episode. And all I want now is more of this. I want to see more Hayden being Ahsoka's master. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think I saw a couple of things in response to what you said. I think first and foremost, I think that, that Hayden watched Clone Wars and regretted not being able to play the Mm. character uh, in those moments, because I think that Matt Lanter was given a lot more to do with the character Mm -hmm. than Hayden ever was. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like, to your point, George was not focused on the characters. He was not focused on the actors. That was not why he came back to make the prequels, right? He came back to make the prequels because the digital effects reached a point. Like he watched Jurassic Park and he looked at ILM and went, Oh, you guys are ready now. (laughs) And so they, and then, you know, so they started, they embarked on the special edition stuff, um, which was really his testing ground. Uh, for sure. you know like how far can we push this and then when he felt like he was satisfied he went okay let's make this movie and and that's where characters like Jar Jar come in and that sort of thing um, I, I the other thing that I want to say in response to everything that you just said is I want to slap every person <laughs> who says the redemption of Hayden Christensen yeah, the redemption stupid. of Ahmed Best listen and everybody like listen really closely to what i'm about to say because people talk about this stuff and i think that people say a lot of things and i think that most people are right um and correct and coming from the right place on this in this particular like vein of subject that i'm talking about of the like like this use of the word redemption is is uh reductive and pejorative right like it's it's so insulting yeah um both hayden christensen and ahmed best have more talent for the job that they do than 99% of the people who are criticizing them. <laughs> they they always have from day one. Yeah. If you haven't listened to the podcast, which is unfortunately titled The, Redemp- the Redemption of Jar Jar Banks, um, although I think it is a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek title, you have to get all the way through it in order to get there. I, I think that I think that it's that is missed on the majority of people that 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 using that term is like it's actually like it it's never it was never Ahmed Best, Jar Jar Banks, Hayden Christensen, Jake Lloyd, any of these characters or actors that needed to be redeemed. It has always been the fandom that needs mm. to be redeemed. Because Hayden has always been a phenomenal performer. Has he always been given the best stuff to work with? No. Has he always been given the best direction? Were the choices in the edit made to serve his performance or to serve technical prowess? Mm. And it's very obvious to me that it was about lighting. It was about position. It was about marrying. I mean, like, go, listen, there is not a series of films that has been documented from stem to stern 
as comprehensively as the prequel trilogy. There are hours upon hours of behind the scenes footage. The only thing that comes close is the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? <laughs> like, like those, and, and it's very much like they're of the same era. Maybe the matrix stuff a little is, it kind of starts to get close, but like those DVDs required a whole second disc in order to contain the hours and hours of behind the scenes stuff, um, the documentaries, the deleted scenes, the interviews, all of it, commentary tracks, go through all of it and listen, really listen to the way that those films were made. Those actors were props on set and they were treated as props on set. And so you end up with performers like Hayden and, and, uh, and, and Natalie Portman that who are phenomenal actors mm. giving some of their worst performances. I mean, like Natalie Portman in revenge of the Sith is one of the worst acting performances <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Right? Like, like it is not good. It is not good. She, her dialogue just comes off as complete. She doesn't even want to be there. Right. Like you can tell, you can just tell. And she's never really like said it, but you can tell that by the time that they got to that one, she read that script and was like, great. So my character is just pregnant. Like that's her whole thing. And she's just going (laughs) to die at the end. Like, that's it. That's all she's given to do. She has no agency in the story. She affects nothing. Right. She is manipulated by Anakin. She's manipulated by Obi-Wan. That's her whole purpose in the story um, in in that movie. Right. And, And you can tell that she just didn't care. And then she goes on to like, has she won an Oscar or just been nominated? I don't know. But like Black Swan and, you know, all of these other things that she's done where she's like, obviously she's incredible. Um, Hayden's never been given that respect until recently, but it was always there. And, and, and it, I, I hate it. It pisses me off because it really like it hurt his career and we could have gotten so much more from him as an actor. Um, and as an artist, uh, had he been given more opportunity to show us just how good he is. I mean, if you've seen the movie Shattered Glass, like, like he's, yeah, Shattered so, Glass is awesome. he's so, so good. And so this episode to come back after all these years, after Clone Wars, after Obi-Wan, after all of that, to give him the opportunity to come back and actually like play this character in these moments. And what you said about like he captures not just he doesn't just recapture his own character which is difficult after 20 plus years right i but he but he manages to seamlessly merge it with matt lanter's performance yeah and give us exactly exactly what we needed in those moments and like it's a it is a difficult series of scenes to do because this is not it is not Matt Lanter Anakin. It's also not Attack of the Clones Anakin or right. Revenge of the Sith Anakin. It's it's actually post Return of the Jedi Anakin. This is returned Anakin with all of the experiences of those younger versions, but also all of the experiences of Vader. It's in the dialogue, right? I mean, like this has been talked about ad nauseum, and by the time that people are listening to this podcast, they'll have heard it so many times from so many sources. I've heard that before is a reference to Luke saying, I won't fight you. Right. Like mm-hmm. that is, that is so obviously a reference to that. It's, it's also 
I, I, I mean, I think that that's taking it on surface value. I think it is also in reference to, um, to Obi-Wan in, in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, basically being like, I don't want to do this. Right. Like I'm like, I, and, and, and at the end of it being like, I won't, I, I'm not going to do it. I won't kill you. Right. And walking away from it. Um, so that's like, that's Anakin slash Vader recounting all of that of like, this, like, this is a, this is such a Jedi sentiment of like, I won't fight you, but it's like, but I think, I think what he's doing is pressing her and going like, but will you? Cause like with, with <laughs> Luke, I think it's a little bit of a different thing. Cause Luke wasn't his student, but I think that I think the test here with Ahsoka is very literally, um, I mean, it's called shadow warrior. I, I, this is, this is, this is the Jungian psychology thing. She, she has to eat her shadow. It, she's been running from it since Malachor. Mm. She's, she's been hiding from the galaxy. She's been hiding from the force in a way she's been hiding from her destiny. And I uh, like, like hiding from the dark side, hiding from Vader and the responsibility of that, right? And what he needs her to do is to accept that part of what happened. Accept her responsibility and also the fact that she's not responsible, right? It's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of contradictions and and uh, I, I, sort of uh, dueling ideologies uh, in, 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 in dueling. This. Yeah, but I... Uh, <laughs> But like that, that was the lesson, right? Like that was the lesson, the live or die. And it's like, I think, um, I think giving, giving up is death and persevering is living. Right. Mm -hmm. And in order to persevere, in order for her to move on to the next stage, she needed, this is what was holding her back was, was Anakin and, and Vader. Right. And so Hayden had to embody all of that in one episode seamlessly switch back and forth <clears throat> he he felt like he has known that character mm-hmm. for what is it 30 years at that point like yeah i yeah. met this character 30 years ago yeah it was so seamless i was so like i i, I didn't even realize it because you know i was so excited to be watching the scene and then by the time we started going to the flashbacks it kind of sunk in like Oh yeah, wow, he's known her since she was this little kid. Yeah. And this performance right now feels so na- and it's such a strange thing, right? Because Hayden was Anakin 1 through 3. Clone Wars took place no, between No, just 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 2 and 3, right? He's not Anakin. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Um just so Hayden Hayden was Anakin between uh, you know, was 2 and 3. Clone Wars took place between those two. And that Anakin was kind of retroactively changed not maybe not changed but like uh given more depth and growth yeah. and uh i guess added more to his character arc because of his fall to the dark side in three but hayden wasn't there for that hayden was there for two and three so the fact that he had to not only i mean you kind of touched on this already not only go back to the character that he did play many years ago plus add this extra layer that was retroactively kind of fitted into his character and his performance into three and did it so seamless. I was flipping out. I was so impressed with this performance, yeah. how 
natural. It felt, I mean, maybe it's silly to be so like excited by this because it was just like what, two or three scenes. Um, but like the fact that it felt like, oh yeah, this is complete, perfect consistency. And just the master has one more lesson. I am not, a, I am not a last Jedi fan by any stretch of the imagination but the thing that i love from the last jedi is yoda having one last lesson for his student luke that's like i i I still get teared up from that scene i love that scene so much and this felt like the exact same kind of thing while also giving us that that uh sense of consistency with Anakin. and I, i was over the moon watching this episode because of how good it felt you yeah. know what I mean? So, uh, once is is just a thing that happened, right? So, uh, uh, Yoda coming back in Last Jedi to give Luke one last lesson from from beyond the Force, right? Mm. Uh, twice is maybe a coincidence. So Qui Gon <laughs> coming back from the Force mm. just to just to make sure that Obi Wan <laughs> has this one last piece. But three times is now a pattern, right? Like this mm. is now this is now a thing that that happens in Star Wars, mm. uh, and I, you know, like like uh, uh, Anakin coming back to Ahsoka for one more lesson to prepare her for. Now, here's the thing: the lessons that those those Jedi come back to teach their their uh, former students um, is often. A final lesson uh it is a mm. lesson on how to finish the job yeah uh, <laughs> so um i don't know i i i don't know if this is anakin's last lesson for ahsoka i i i don't i actually don't think that it will be i okay. i think that if if the series continues um into you know further seasons i don't think that ahsoka is going anywhere anytime soon um I think that we'll. I think that there's a real possibility that we'll get to see Anakin again. I I would really love to see Anakin in the way that we see Obi Wan in Return of the Jedi with Luke. You know the 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 um, certain point of view conversation of like him mm. coming and sitting on the log next to Luke and that sort of thing. <laughs> a little bit more casual. This this was a combination of the cave and and that those sorts of lessons um being taught but i uh, so it was the, there's a difference in those other scenes where it's like that is very much that that person coming back to talk that teacher coming back to talk to their their student right um this one was a little bit of that but it was also a little bit of the force interceding i think and um and anakin is very much the the envoy of the force um, which is why he embodies both the light and the dark here. He is, he is, he is n- neither and both at the same time. Um, he can have the red lightsaber and he can have the blue lightsaber. It doesn't mm. make a difference because the force actually doesn't care, right? The cosmic force is, is indifferent to the light side and the dark side. What it, what it seeks is balance, right? Um, you know, because that death brings new life. It, it it always has to be. It's 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 the reason why when you look at, at at the yin and yang, it's not just a circle divided in half, and one half is black and one half is white, but that the the shape of that 
symbol is fluid and in motion, right? Just by looking at it, because it's got the the sort of the bulb on one side and the tail on the other, um, and and that's mirrored in both in both parts of that symbol. Um, it's uh, it implies to you that 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 image is in motion, that those that they revolve around one another. Some days light is on top and some days dark is on top. Right. And then mm-hmm. furthermore with the yin and the yang, we have the dots inside of them to represent the fact that like there's darkness and light and light and darkness. They're actually the same thing. They're, they're, they're part of the same thing. It's all, it's all connected. Um, they're not separate, but I, I, so when I, when I look at the cosmic force and, and when we really, when we get cosmic force stuff, the difference between that, and and I think like like the more of like the Jedi rigidity of it is the indifference to it, right? Like it like the indifference to the light side and the dark side. So we look at the Mortis trilogy, we look at this, we look at the stuff that Yoda sees um in at the end of season six. Um right, in, in his in his weird adventure. I the light and the dark are irrelevant they're just they're they're both tools that the force uses to influence you know the the galaxy the universe Mm. so i i yeah like like this story very much feels like a cosmic force i it it furthermore cements for me that mortis is in the world between worlds and that like all of this stuff has always been connected it's just that like when Dave got to rebels, he wanted to create something that was a little bit more visually um, clear in, 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 in what it was doing than, than Mortis. Cause like, cause Mortis, we have very similar things in Mortis where I, other times and places are represented things that have not happened yet, but that will come to pass are represented right. in moments on uh, like during the mortis trilogy right like especially to uh, like when when anakin takes control of the 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 son and the daughter and uh, uh you know there's the big swirl and then the cloud and it forms vader's helmet and we hear a bunch of stuff from revenge of the sith and return of the jedi and we hear all sorts of things um which is very similar it's similar to that it's similar to i think anytime anybody's gone into a cave i think when <laughs> when when ray touches the lightsaber um, and sees everything that she sees. Anytime that a Jedi is having a vision, I think like that is the world between worlds. It always has been and it always will be. Um, it's just that it's just that Dave defined it. He like he he created a Jedi temple where they studied this aspect of the force. Right. Um, and and they, they put some words around it. That's all. That's all that that is. But it's always it's always been that. Like I said in the last episode, uh, now I believe that Ilum, uh, when 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 the younglings go into the cave, um, and man, Je- Jedi Fallen Order supports this as well because when Cal goes into the cave on Ilum, um, yes, he goes into a physical cave and you explore the physical cave, but you don't find your Kyber crystal until you go into the world between worlds, right? Like he, like it's, it's in the vision that he, then he comes out of the vision with the Kyber crystal in his hand. Right. Mm. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 the great thing about this is what I always talk about. Great star Wars makes other star Wars better. 
I don't think that any of these creators, any of these artists have been consciously, I shouldn't say consciously. I think that they're thinking about it, but they are not, this is not a concerted effort. This is not like, I know that we want to think that the story group is sitting there and master planning this stuff because we think that that's (laughs) the right way to do it. And it's like, that's the right way to, to do a lot of things. But I think again, this is something that you have to feel your way through. And I think that there's a reason why the stories that I'm referencing are resonant. And then other stuff that happens in star Wars is not so much, right? Even though they're great stories, all the Dr. Aphra stuff, great stories. There are some really, really great Dr. Aphra stories, really fun star Wars, right? Is it resonant? Not really, (laughs) not really. (laughs) Like her stuff is just kind of, they're fun comics, right? Um, I, I really like that character. I want to see that character in live action. I think that she deserves her own show, but, uh, and, and to be recognized by like the mainstream star Wars audience, like that's a character that definitely deserves that, but her stories have not been resonant. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't tapped into that stuff yet. Um, but that these other stories that I'm talking about, these are like, I don't think that the writers of fallen order, thought about Ilum and and him going into a vision and blah blah as like part of like oh we're gonna world build this and then you know this is connected into the world between worlds and star wars rebels i don't think that they're thinking that way i think that they felt it out and they just knew that for the story how satisfying is it if you go into the cave and you collect a crystal versus you go into the cave you almost die and then you come out of a vision like you go into a vision near death in the water, just like Ahsoka. And then you come out of that reborn. I mean, like this is all, there's a reason why this stuff is coming out. And it's because like, there's, there, there, there are mythic archetypes and there's, there's ancient symbolism and symbology here that, um, that is deeper than star Wars. I, so it's, it's, this is star Wars playing with greater mythology. Right. Mm. Um, and so then it ends up, it ends up rhyming. It ends up reflecting itself. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like it, it just, yeah. You know what all of this does for me? <laughs> just in this moment, talking about kyber crystals and visions and all of this stuff. I really, 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 really need to see the story where Ray comes out with that, that yellow kyber crystal. Oh, okay. Like, where'd that come from? Where'd she mm. get that? Right. I, I also would like to see a story with Luke. Um, actually, I think that it exists. I, th- I think it's in the comics now um, of him getting the green kyber crystal. And I think he like has a conversation with a, with a high Republic Jedi. Oh, okay. Um, like he goes into a vision and this, and, and one of the Jedi from the high Republic series is there and they talk and then he discovers his kyber crystal and it's green and he's like oh it's green if you Um, if you find out where that is let me know because i would like to check that out myself i think it's in the mainline star wars comic series i i dropped off from that a while ago i just it wasn't doing it for me um yeah but yeah i uh because i mean like uh, before now the the canon i i story of it is just that it was in obi-wan's hut right along with other things that he used to construct his lightsaber he just but that's like that stuff predates all of this yeah that was shadows of the empire so what 96 um yeah i always i 
I um and you could you could still do this. You can still absolutely do this. But I always sort of had the idea that Obi-Wan had Qui-Gon's lightsaber, his lightsaber and Anakin's, right? And um and he gives Anakin's lightsaber to Luke. He loses his own on the Death Star, so Vader presumably had it. Uh, although I, I don't know whatever happened. I don't know if there's a storyline that ever talks about it. Um, I think there was one at one point that like Palpatine had Obi Wan's lightsaber in like a collection on Coruscant in the Jedi mm. Temple, um, in his palace, right? That was formerly the Jedi Temple. Um, but I, I, Qui Gon's lightsaber was still in the hovel. Right, it was in that trunk. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. So when so when Luke goes back, it, like before Return of the Jedi, um, he like he would discover like like the instructions on how to build a lightsaber, um, and then he, and he would find a bunch of Obi Wan's. St- Obi Wan would have had a bunch of stuff, right? Like just a bunch mm. of like pieces lying around, old pieces of like 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 the same stuff that he used to construct his lightsaber and then Qui-Gon's is there. So it's like, there's all these assembly pieces, but then the only Kyber crystal that was there was Qui-Gon's. And so like the Kyber crystal inside Luke's lightsaber, because it's green is Qui-Gon's Kyber crystal, Mm -hmm. but inside like a chassis, that's much more like that's constructed of because, because Luke's looks a lot more like Obi-Wan's than it does. uh, Right. Anakin's right. Um, so yeah, I mean like that I, I I would love to tell that story to like write that story <laughs> and I guess we could just write a fanfic, but but I think that there is a I I think I I think that there would be a cool opportunity there of like the same sort of thing of like him going into the world between worlds and then, you know, getting this kyber crystal, but that for it to actually physically literally be the same kyber crystal that Qui-Gon used um in his lightsaber. I th- I think would be a cool piece of um, full circle continuity because I think that Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi resembles the type of Jedi that Qui Gon was much more than the type of Jedi that Obi Wan or Anakin or Yoda ever were. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, that's kind of neither here nor there. <laughs> but where did Ray get her lightsaber from? All of, I mean, like we know that the pieces obviously came from her staff and all that, right? But um, uh, yeah, where's that kyber crystal from? We need that story. We need that story, man. So many stories that we need with Ray, but that's a that's a whole other thing. And I guess I suppose we're gonna get that eventually. But now we got this stupid strike that is probably delaying things. Um, we'll be okay. It's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> we'll be all right. It's the, it's the worst. Joe. We'll be all right. Um, I just want to note one other thing about this episode. I I. I think that Hayden gives one of the best line readings in the entire Star Wars saga with a single word, and that word is incorrect. Uh, he switches he switches from from Anakin because that's sort of the moment where he's like he's he's um, he's gone from the Matt Lanter Anakin back into Revenge of the Sith Anakin. I mm-hmm. uh, uh, where he's like I don't I don't remember this battle and she's like oh it's the yeah. siege of mandalore all of that stuff and then uh and then he's like she says all the stuff that she says and he's like oh nope you're missing the point <laughs> back to the beginning <laughs> live or die and she 
refuses and he just says incorrect and the way that he says it is just like it is the most vader delivery of that line possible but coming from anakin um and it and he's got the red lightsaber at that point and it's very much like this is the this is the vader that you guys would have had to deal with had obi-wan not done what he he did right like this is this this is this is a a vision of vader at his full power right um i full strength in the force and that's what it's terrifying like it's legitimately scary like like we know that ahsoka is going to be fine because it's her show and the story's not done there's still lots and lots of road left for this one ahead of it so i it's like obviously we know that she's going to come out of this but at the same time we just don't i think it's playing with this is dave just being a genius again playing with the tension of 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 anakin switching back and forth mm-hmm. between these these persona and us as the audience just being like but what does it mean <laughs> but what does it mean right and so we're we're trying to parse so much information while Ahsoka is seemingly fighting for her life. Right. And we don't know, we just don't know, like, how does this, how does this come to a conclusion? Right. Um, so good. It's so, it's just, it was just really, really expertly done. This is star Wars at its absolute best. Like this, this is as good as anything in empire strikes back. This is as good as anything in uh, sorry, I uh, the last Jedi. It's just like like this is high performance, like rocket fuel powered Star Wars. It's it's so good. Everything like like I don't know how the rest of the season can even happen at this point. It's like I like like whatever else we do, I just don't know. Like is like Thrawn's reveal now is going to be kind of meh, whatever. <laughs> right. Compared to, compared to this, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a situation of it maybe peaking early or being, you know, sort of the, uh, the, the victim of its own success in a way. Cause um, we're going to go through the rest of the season. It's, it's so funny coming off of the episode where Merrick is revealed to be literally nothing <laughs> um, to then go into an episode. Cause everybody was like, Oh, theories, 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 theories. It's going to be this star killer, blah, blah, blah. And then to turn around <laughs> and have it, have this, not be like, <laughs> not be nothing. Yeah. And then, and then I literally, I never thought we were going to get this. I never, ever in a million years thought we were going to get to see Hayden Christensen in live action in the Clone Wars costume, a young Ahsoka. We haven't even talked about Ariana Greenblatt yet uh, and her incredible performance. Totally, like, just from an an auditory perspective, she nailed the performance of Ahsoka that at times it sounded like Ashley, but not, like, in the same way that, like, Matt Lanter and Hayden Christensen both sound like Anakin and Ewan and, and James both sound like Obi-Wan, right? Like, like she got as close to that character as you could without doing an impersonation. It, and a lot of it was and, just like, like, and, and on top of that, not only was she portraying that character that we already knew from, you know, Clone Wars. Yeah. 
she's supposed to be current day Ahsoka. So she's a, she's yeah. like, cause she current day Ahsoka's in there. Like yeah. she knows like sometimes it was. So like, I was actually going to ask you a little bit about this because she goes back and forth, right? It's almost like she goes back in time, but she's still current day Ahsoka. No, it's almost like when you're in a dream, when you know you're in a dream, but like, you're still kind of going with the way it's taking you. Where like she's back to that first mission where she lost all those clones and she's really upset about it, and at that point she's current day. Uh, at that point she's past Ahsoka. She's Clone Wars Ahsoka. Yeah. But then the rest of the performance she's Rosario Ahsoka, and you know I I was curious what you felt about that. If that was because yeah. like I'm not really sure how to interpret that. Um. And also, like, I was a little bit confused by the dialogue of why she was upset that Anakin was joking. Like, yeah, I made a joke. I'm trying to teach you how to survive, how to be a good soldier. Like, all right, what? Well, oh, gee, sorry. <laughs> what does that have to do with with being yeah. a um, with being a good soldier? Why? Like, she's upset. I don't know. I didn't understand why she was upset about that. And he's like, yeah, I'm teaching you to be to yeah i'm joking with you it's because i'm teaching you to do these i was like are those two things related it didn't quite connect for me um yeah i think okay so two things are happening here right anakin is taking her back there because she's stuck right Mm -hmm. she's she's there's a there (laughs) um the question that a lot of people have is where was Ahsoka during the original trilogy? Ahsoka was not emotionally equipped to deal with Vader anymore. She walked away from it. It's a failure, right? She said that much in this show, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, she, like, literally, she says she walked away from Anakin. She walked away from Sabine, right? That's the trauma. That's the trauma that needed to be healed. So she, part of her as much as she's put on a facade and we saw that in star Wars rebels of fulcrum and she's become this other thing. Right. Um, and she's, and she's fighting and whatever and fighting the inquisitors and whatnot. And she, and she faces Vader. She was not actually ready to face Vader because she wasn't prepared to do the things that needed to be done. I don't mean kill him. Um, Luke is the only one who goes in there with the right mind and the right intention because of you know his journey and how he gets there uh and he was only ever going to be the right one so it's like this is all sort of sort of uh it's not really her fault but at the same time she's responsible um she's she's stuck in this trauma because she was a child subjected to war Mm -hmm. and this is the first time that we've really seen it laid out in 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 literal terms because it's live action right yeah and i think that dave was trying to make that point and having ariana play this character actually like very young and playing the character in the two ways right so so her coming across as you know clone wars uh uh ahsoka so like that's the um the other thing is that this is very specific this is not a generic Clone Wars flashback. That first one is a flashback to the Ryloth trilogy. That is her first command, right? And she does fail. That's the point of that episode. Right. And she says those things in that episode to Anakin. 
that all happens right like like even even the parts of it where like he's joking and she kind of like calls him out on it and is like it's not it's not word for word but tonally all of this stuff happened in clone wars like it actually happened in that episode where she's like she's I like that. i failed i gotta, I gotta rewatch she, that. you gotta go back I mean, and, I, re- and, and i remember the scene but like i don't watch remember it, it. yeah because there's a scene where she like starts to break down and Anakin has to like kind of pull her back from it and be like, this is the job. Like we are in a war and we have to fight in order to stop the war. We can't like, we can't disengage from it. We've been put into this corner and, and if you don't lead these clone troopers, they're going to die anyways. But if you can, if your leadership can save them, then you have a responsibility, right? That's the conversation that they end up having. Mm -hmm. Um, And Anakin is right. And he's wrong. Right. Like, that's the thing is that he's right. And he's wrong in, in all of that. Like the Jedi are wrong to be involved in the in the war. But is it morally right to stand by while a war rages and you could do something to. This is all, this is the moral conflict that they're in of using the clones and being in the clone war in the first place. If if their involvement can bring the war to a swifter end, then for them to stand by and let this conflict drag on with the separatists they're they're now responsible for those deaths right Right. so with great power exactly so that's what anakin's trying to get across and that's the moral conundrum of the clone wars and and how the jedi get pulled into it right so she's still stuck there she is still like and it's so great because that is season one of the clone wars (laughs) right that was meant to actually be the finale was that was those three episodes the ryloth stuff and then they added the the, right, the zero yeah. episode at the end, um, which was actually the first episode of season two. So, um, that was sort of meant to be the close of that season and of Ahsoka's story there. But Ahsoka also wasn't meant to live; she was meant to die in season two or three, I uh, originally, and that was supposed really? to be like, yeah. So it was supposed to be like a thing of like Anakin losing a Padawan, feeling responsible mm. for it, and then that was sort of like his step towards the dark side, oh, cool. and why okay. we never hear about her because of this failure. But then people ended up you know getting attached to the character Dave got attached <laughs> to the character and and they and they they spun it out into this other thing right um which is better for all of us i think yeah yeah for sure. um but the reality of it is that they put a 14 year old in the middle of a war told her to lead a bunch of men and those men died and it's and that's trauma she's she literally has ptsd it's not shell shock ptsd yeah because she's a Jedi and she's stoic and in control of her emotions for better or worse. I would say for worse. I, I it's, it's, it's a funny thing with the Jedi because there's like a thing of like, you can't let your emotions rule you because you have too much power. Right. So it's like that leads to the dark side, all, all of that fear and temptation and all of that stuff. But on the flip side of it, that stoicism practice to the nth degree we see in mace windu and it's like well he's detached and doesn't care right so like which of these is better anakin's kind of right when he says like well you know we're supposed to be um well what's the word that he uses for it i is it i don't i don't think it's compassion that's what's coming to mind but it's like he's basically like like no like like we're supposed to care so like that's what I'm doing is like well you're taking it the wrong way you're you're bending the rules to suit your own ends but mm. in any case, um, yeah it was it it was jarring to see her in the first 
flashback. Yeah. But then I expected... It's really unsettling, once, right? Yeah. Like, and one, But once I realized... It, we were Okay, we were fast-forwarding to Siege of Mandalore. Yeah. I was like, okay, she's going to be much older. Nope. Still a kid. I was like, oh, that's impactful. That's pretty crazy. That like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a weird thing because they, they're, they're, they're limited by what they can do because they want to use Ariana for both of those sure. versions of the character. So I do think that they do a little bit to kind of age her up, and and that's definitely when Rosario comes back in a little bit more mm. um, in the performance, and so you know we get this more mature version of Ahsoka. In that, but that's that, that's sort of my second point is like that first one is very much a recreation of a moment because Anakin's trying to take her there mm-hmm. in order to like show her where her trauma starts, and then she takes him to the Siege of Mandalore, right? Right, which is implied by him going, like, I don't know this one, right? Yeah. Like, like I don't I I don't recognize this battle, I don't recognize this memory. Um by the way, the reason why I know that that, that first scene is from the Ryloth thing is because of all the Twi'leks that are in it. If you if you look in the background, there's a no, bunch yeah, of, I, there are a I bunch of Twi'lek that commanders it was, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I connected that it was Ryloth. Um, that's where I that's where my brain started putting it together, and I was like, I was like, what was her storyline on Ryloth? Because I remember I remember the Mace Windu stuff with Cham Syndulla, mm-hmm. and I remember um, the two clones that find the little girl right yeah numa yeah numa who ends up coming back in star wars rebels uh i and all of that stuff right but um and then i was like oh yeah that's right there's a whole there's a whole storyline with ahsoka mm-hmm. uh one of the one of those three episodes is is ahsoka getting her first command and she messes it up she was in she, a ship though right it wasn't the, they yeah it's right a yeah, it's a jedi yeah, star it's yeah a it's, it's fight or something yeah yeah, yeah. i think I they, they have to like attack a fuel depot or something like that i can't remember it's not it's not exactly what happens in this episode right but it is right it same, is same idea though same it principle. is thematically yeah. pulling from that storyline sure um because i think that they have their the argument that they have i think is aboard the yes yeah the, ship. the, the star destroyer yeah yeah um but anyways, I, I, yeah, like I, he's taking her back there for that reason to experience what she felt there, um, to unlock that. And then she takes over the vision cause she's in control as well. I, mm. uh, and shows him what he shows her. And that's where he, like, he comes in to try and be like, you're, you're taking the wrong things from this. Right. Cause he's, she's trying to like instead of listening to his lesson, man, it, being a dad, I totally understand this because you'll be in the middle of trying to impart some wisdom with your kid and they will turn around and they'll start arguing about something else. And it's like, no, you're too busy with your retort to hear the thing that I'm trying to tell you, right? Like to hear like the, the wisdom that's being offered, which is just the, I think that it, this is just the the curse of mentorship, whether it's as a parent or a, a teacher, um, is that, you know, like you have to be prepared to teach the lesson even when the student isn't ready to, to learn it mm. because you you are not in control of that. All you're in control of is what you can teach and what you can model. Right. I, I and 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 the student has to be has to be open. Right. She's not open at this point. Mm. And so he recognizes that it's like, okay, you're going to try and you're going to try and fight me on this. Even though you said you won't fight me. This is what, this is what he was talking (laughs) about. Right. Because like he pulls out the lightsaber and she says, I won't fight you. 
and he's like there's there <laughs> there's more than one way to fight we're in a fight this is a conflict this is an argument <laughs> that's what's happening right now whether you want to acknowledge it or not so he presses it and he goes back to the physical fight because mm-hmm. he's like okay you said you wouldn't fight me but you're continuing to fight me so like let's start back at the beginning incorrect right and so he presses it um, and he's a little bit more literal. That's why Vader comes out. That's why that persona comes out to really like press her of like, what is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you refuse to accept that you can move on from this argument that we had when you were 14 years old, right? <laughs> because you are still fighting with Anakin there, right? Like, like she's saying that it's about Vader and it's not about Vader. She knows she says it to Luke in in the Mando episode, right? Like she when they're talking about him, she's talking about Anakin. She talks about him. She's already done the intellectual work of reconciling that Anakin was manipulated by Palpatine and fell to the dark side out of love and compassion, right? Like that's that's what happened. She knows that. She knows it intellectually, but emotionally she hasn't accepted it. That's what's happening here is that like, and it's, and, and it's, it has nothing to do with Anakin, even though she's saying that it has to do with Anakin, which is why he responds in the way that he does. Right. Because she's lying to herself. So he's like, he's incorrect. And he's like, and he's basically pushing her and he's like, what are you afraid of? What are you scared of? And she's talking about like, I know what you became. I know like, yeah, you were powerful. You like you, nobody knew how powerful you would be, how powerful the darkness was in you. And he's turning around and saying to her, holding up the mirror and going like, you're not worried about me. That happened already. It's done. Can't be undone. You know that you told Ezra that, right? It's happened. It's over. What she's worried about is herself if Anakin was her teacher and Anakin fell to the dark side, then she has just as much potential to fall to the dark side as he does. And she thinks that that is her destiny. If she continues along the same path that he was on doing these things out of love and compassion, they led him down that path to the dark side. So she's a, that's what she's afraid of. Right. And Anakin's lesson is yes. (laughs) (laughs) But that's true for all Jedi, right? So like, like there's this, there's a, there's an ego at play there of like, of somehow they're unique. And it's because he was the chosen one, because she was the Padawan of the chosen one that somehow their story is different from any other Jedi. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that, that, that he is trying to pass on to her what he learned far too late. And what, what he actually, he didn't, (laughs) Cause he learned it from Luke, which is right. the, like the best part of all of this <laughs> is that Luke is there on the death star and he's, and, and he gives into anger. He gives into hate and fear and all of that. And he grabs the lightsaber to strike down Palpatine and ends up in a fight with Vader and they fight each other and they fight to the death. They do. Cause Luke could have one more stroke and Vader would have been dead, right? He 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 was there. He his shadow took over. He Luke fell to the dark side, and then he chopped off the hand. He sees those that robotic limb. He looks at his own hand, and he accepts it. 
he doesn't he doesn't chop his own hand off and go i won't become vader he looks at himself he looks at vader he looks back at himself he looks at his lightsaber and he tosses it aside and he says like he says like these are the actual words that he says you failed your highness i i i won't do, i i am a jedi like my father before me not better than my father before me i won't do what he did he goes through everything that Anakin went through. He goes through that entire process that it takes Anakin another like 20 years to get to, right? <laughs> he sees Anakin. He learns the lesson. He listens to Yoda and Obi-Wan's words, right or wrong, but he takes it all in in that moment. All of that culminates. Whatever other stuff has happened in the comics or novels or whatever, right? It all culminates. He looks at his hand and he accepts the dark side as part of who he is right as part of the force and as part of being a jedi is that like it's you'll never expel it you can't get rid of it and that's what the jedi the old jedi were trying to do so they were trying to they were trying to ward it off and keep it at bay Mm. instead of eating their own shadow accepting it and integrating it into themselves so luke does that right he says i am a jedi like my father before me and he accepts all of it he integrates all of it and then Palpatine's like, well, then you'll die, right? And starts electrocuting him. And, and that's when Anakin is able to, like, look at Luke and go, it's possible, right? It's possible to go all the way to the edge and to still pull yourself out of it. And mm. Anakin does that. So Anakin has learned that lesson from Luke. And now Anakin is going to turn around. And it's so funny because the last time we saw Ahsoka before this series was her talking to Luke and basically saying to Luke, like, you're, you're doing well, you're good. Mm. Right. She was reassuring him. But the funny part of that is that actually he had something to teach her. Right. Which again, I want to say like their peers, not, not that, that hierarchy is false. Um, so Anakin is now from beyond the force having fully integrated all of this stuff because now he's part of the cosmic force. He's looking at her and going like, this is what you need to do. And that's what she does. She, he disarms her and she has to fight without fighting. Right. Which is part of the lesson. She dodges, 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 grabs his hands. She actually, it's great. If you look at the choreography of it and the framing of it, she does exactly what Anakin does with Dooku right before he, executes dooku it's only one lightsaber so it's a little bit harder to track but if you if you put those scenes side by side they're very similar so much of what we saw in this is just reflected in all of these other pieces of star wars um but she basically like grabs him sort of like flips him around comes around and then that lightsaber is at his throat right and and then she steps into it to prove the point to us, the audience, this is, this is for our benefit and somewhat for Anakin's, but mostly for our benefit. We see her eyes illuminated by that red lightsaber. She looks like a Sith for a second. Right. Mm. And then she deactivates the lightsaber and tosses it aside, just like Luke. And she's Nope. <laughs> so when you said it. to look at the choreography, I pulled it up and literally yeah. step by step, as you were narrating it, I was watching it. It was pretty funny. It's it like um, perfectly in tune. <laughs> my watch thought I was talking to it. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It's, I mean, it's masterful. Like, like, like it's just, Dave's just a genius. He's so good. He's so good. Um, so yeah. So to me like that, that the whole, the whole thing, like that's the purpose of it 
is to get us from that point of her, her fear has been holding her back. Um, and it's been stopping her from being able to train Sabine. Mm. Uh, so now she needs to find Sabine because she needs to finish Sabine's training. Cause now she's finally ready. Mm-hmm. I think like, we we've been acting as if Ahsoka because of her connection to the Ashla and, and the daughter, uh, that she's, um, and I think especially informed by her performance in rebels and, and that scene at the end of, of star Wars rebels, we've, we've sort of had this idea that she is already enlightened. Um, but I think this is a retcon. I mean, like, I, I, I don't think there's any other way to look sure. at this, that Dave, yeah. that Dave really looked at the character when he sat down to, to embark on this part of the journey and went like, mm, we need to show it on screen yeah. and we, and, and I don't want to do it all in flashbacks. So, so I think like when they sat down to, to, to bring Ahsoka into all of this with the intention of her having her own show, um, he set this up and he, and he regressed her back to, to, Really, he's like going back to to the story that he would have told if he if he had continued telling her story after Clone Wars, mm. like in that Bad Batch era. Sure. I think that's I think that's kind of what he's done from a narrative perspective, um, which is very much a retcon, but it's fine. I mean, like Star Wars is wildly it's cool anyways. as long as it's well made. I don't I don't care about exactly. Retcons, as long well, as, as long as there's a awesome. reason, yeah, yeah. As long as it's motivated, it's not just about. It's not just about like, oh, we're going to retcon this so that we can bring a character back that's popular. Right. right? Yeah. But like, we're going to retcon this because it's like, because there's actually, there's actually a lot of really important storytelling that needs to happen here. Um, And then I think that the Sabine stuff came out of that. I, Mm. I, I think that it's sort of like he started there with Ahsoka, which is why the show is called Ahsoka when really the central character so far has been Sabine. But it's like, okay, like, let's like, it's, and, and it's, I, the show should really be called Master and Apprentice, right? Like, that's <laughs> really what the show should be called. Because if you were going to give it a title, then like, like thematically, that's the, like, that is what this series is about. Sure. Um, and I think it's what season two will also be about because we're going to transition from Ahsoka and Sabine as the central Master and Apprentice in this season because they're going to go through their stuff and i think by the end of the season they'll have come to a good place and there will still be road left for them to progress down but i think that when we get into season two it's very much going to be ezra and jason right like it's going to transition to the mm. two of them um man hall dude we have not even talked about jason Sindula in this episode <laughs> two uh, young actors killing it in the show man crushing i mean like uh, I I cried like I literally <laughs> cried because that scene when he's like first at first there's the whole thing of like can't you hear it right mm-hmm. um which is great but then Hera comes up and it's like it's like listen listen and she closes her eyes and fuck, I'm getting emotional talking about it right now. <laughs> Kanan was in that scene. Like there's yeah. no other way for me to express yeah. it other than like that was very much Kanan acting through his son. Um which is just like yeah, it's I is this I, I've been saying this a lot. It's very hard for me to put this stuff into words. This is almost impossible. Kanan <laughs> is is my second favorite Star Wars character, and um like his story is really, really meaningful to me. And, and 
when we found out that Jason was going to be a part of this series through the reveal of a Lego figure. Um, <laughs> I was like, cool. Awesome. That's great. Um, I don't think that I'm going to get what I want. <laughs> like I kind of set myself up for that, mm. like prepared myself for like, he's going to be in it. He'll be in a scene or two to get, to get this moment between Kanan and Hera. And then the scene right after it with Hu Yang. Mm. I just like, I dude, I could not, I, I would never have been arrogant enough to ask for this because <laughs> I don't, I, cause I don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it, but like it was, it was so good. It was so good that like, I am back. I have tears in my eyes right now talking about it because <laughs> it, it just, um, yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. There was something, again, it's really difficult to put into words, but it, it, it did. And, and so much of this is the casting. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how I don't understand casting directors and how they get this good at this. I know that it's a skill set because a great casting director is a great casting director. And it's like, that's why the Marvel movies are what they are is because of the casting. And that's why a lot of star Wars in the Disney era has been what it is. Um, it's, they are very, they're at a very big advantage because no one's going to say no. Um, so they literally can find whoever they want. But I mean, like this, how they found this diamond in the rough needle in the haystack <laughs> kid to play the son of Freddie Prince jr. And I, and uh, I, Mary Elizabeth Winstead really like, but even with a little bit of that Vanessa Marshall in it, um, how they, how they managed to find this kid who absolutely is a young Kane and Jarrus. Mm. I mean, like, listen, you can go out, cut that kid's hair and give him a ponytail and we can do some clone wars flashbacks. Like, <laughs> cause he can play Caleb doom. Yeah, for sure. Like a hundred percent. Um, yeah, like let's cast, dude. Like let's cast Dapa Balaba, and uh, and and do a show about the two of them. <laughs> make the comic, <laughs> make the stories in the comic into a series. Do do a do a six episode Kane and Jara series, um, or Caleb Doom series. That would be a dream come true. See, this this, this is the dangerous road that I take myself down. It's like I sh I can't ask for these things. I don't deserve. <laughs> um, but yeah, and 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 to have it the way that he sells it, the way that Dave sells it isn't with Jason. It's with Hera, right? Because it's the pushing on her as she listens to her son. Mm. And there's the question there of like, does she hear it? Right. You're kind of sitting there going like, can she hear the lightsabers mm. or is she just <clears throat> feeling that presence? Right. But right. it, it immediately, immediately took me back to the end of Rebels and the scene where, like, after after Kanan has died, and um, and he comes to her, right, and mm. and and puts his hand on her shoulder, and it's like I like I felt that scene, I felt that moment in that in the scene in, in, in this episode, it just like, it automatically took me back there. And that's, 
again, that is Dave knowing exactly what he's doing, exactly what he's doing. Like that is not an accident. That was not, that's not me connecting two lines that are not connected. Like I've, I've connected the dots. No, you've, you haven't connected anything, right? Like, no, I have connected the dots. These are, these are dots and, 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 uh, that's what this whole, this whole series has been connecting dots. And that's what the end credits are. Every time is all the dots connecting each other, <laughs> Joe, I yes. could kiss that man. I could kiss that man. I swear he to might you. have something to say about it, but well, I wouldn't do it without consent. But I all just... right, well, that's good. That's that's all that matters. Or at least I'd give him warning, like I do for you. you know? <laughs> all right, good. Um, <laughs> like I just just so you know, this hey, is going to happen. This is about to happen. So <laughs> yeah, do what you got to do to stop it. But <laughs> it's happening. I yeah, what an episode, dude. What a show I, it is, it is both a blessing and a curse because we're in this weird limbo. We talk about it every week. We are in the world between worlds talking about this show, which is kind of awesome because like, it's just you and me here. Mm -hmm. Um, but eventually everybody else will get to hear these conversations. And I, I, I don't know. It's all, it's almost like with no pressure. Um, and we can sit with it for a little while and we don't have to record it right away. All that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's like, it, but Oh my God, what is wrong with you? Phone watch. It, it thinks that I'm doing a workout. It thinks that I started. A workout <laughs> well, Anyways. your heart rate is getting up thinking about kissing Dave Filoni. Um, but it is a curse because like, I want, I want to engage with everybody else. I want yeah. every time yeah. I'm on social media and I see everybody talking about it and it's like, it's, it takes a lot. I've, I have drafted so many posts, whether it's <laughs> Twitter or threads or whatever in response to people saying certain things where I want to get into it. And then like, I'll stop because I'm like, no, we're not doing it. We're not doing it until this, mm. until this strike is over. It's very important. It's really important. It does. I don't know about you. It does feel like there's been a bunch of stuff on social media lately about, and we'll we'll see. Again, this is it's funny because like by the time that people hear this, they'll know the answer. But it feels like the studios are starting to feel the pressure that Good. like if they don't if they don't resolve this and get back to work, that they are not going to have product come this time next year like yeah like well they are maybe they should screwed. feel that way <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely but yeah. it's just it's the 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 thing that's flabbergasting is that it has taken this long for them to figure it out right right like for that for not for them to figure it out i think that again like ahsoka intellectually they understood it but they don't they haven't really felt it yeah. until until just now and it's and it is because they are starting to see um the the losses that they're taking right now um, in the midst of all of this because mm -hmm. it's it's not been good so so hopefully that means that we are closer to a deal than uh than further away but i don't know it's driving me nuts i just want to talk about star horse with my friends <laughs> and i can do, i can do that i mean like we have avenues where yeah, we can do that sure. we talk on the discord we talk we talk one-on-one -on -one and that sort of thing have conversations on that on that but um but yeah, I'm just not, it's, it's anywhere where I'm like, is this, am I, am I doing free promotion? Is this free promotion for the show? Mm -hmm. If it's free promotion for the show, don't do it. Right. That's the, that's the picket line that we don't cross. So 
anyways uh it is what it is and we are in this situation that we are in but i i i don't know but it's also it's also kind of the best of both worlds it's a bit like talking about obi-wan kenobi uh without doing the episodes and that sort of thing um and getting to just enjoy it right from week yeah to week. Um, the other thing is there's <laughs> i'm just gonna this is just uh this is just a little footnote here but i i i find it funny that um some of the people whose opinions i definitely don't want to hear on this show are also people who are like up in arms about certain things and so they're not going to talk about the show anyways and i'm like good <laughs> all right cool good because the show's really really good and i don't want you bringing me down with your negativity about <laughs> whatever right um so so part of me is like this has been nice yeah that they're that's like, fine. Oh, i won't talk about it i was like good good because i don't oh, i actually don't no. want to hear what you have to say <laughs> so yeah. i'm so it's like you know how when someone who's like really narcissistic or just like a negative person in general is just like giving you the silent treatment and they think they're punishing you yeah but really it's just like no i prefer this this is actually pretty wonderful <laughs> yeah no problem leaving me alone <laughs> yeah for sure awesome anything in closing anything you got left to say oh man um it's it's a a, a feeling that i've noticed that changed from last week to this week. Last week, I remember feeling, man, what's Thrawn up to? When are we going to get Thrawn? Mm-hmm. And then this week, I was like, I don't care. I don't yeah. care about Thrawn. Give me more of this. This is rad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care what Thrawn's up to right now. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Like, I at no point during the episode was I like, but what's going on? Yeah. Where's Sabine? Right? Where's, it's like, and, where's Ezra? No, I don't care. This was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Tuesday night, we'll get, we're going to get that, right? We're, we're sure. going to, we're going to get our catch up episode. Sure. Um, and then, and then we'll, and then we'll be back into it. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. Also, also we can't close out the episode without saying, uh, Leia Organa. We got, we got, uh, the, sen- we got the Senator shout Organa shout out, shout out in this episode. Um, so it's nice to know that Leia is involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and is aware of this, right? Um, I, for obvious reasons, it's it's like a, a there's a distance there that, that's mm-hmm. going to be maintained, and I think that's the right call. But I, I want the, I man, I just it, since the creation of the characters in Star Wars Rebels, all I have wanted is more interaction between those characters and the original trilogy characters. Mm. Um, that that to me is just something that like I just I just I I need to know how those dynamics work. And we know a little bit because Forces of Destiny gave us the, sure. the episode yeah. with with Han and Hera, mm. where we know we know that the two of them have a bit of a rivalry between the Ghost and the Falcon. Um which I listen, uh, unpopular opinion. I go with the ghost. I go with the ghost. The, fal- the, the Falcon is amazing, but I go with the ghost every time. You're in trouble um, with the fans. Yeah. Um, but, but in the way that Han and Hera don't get along, I know that Hera and Leia are friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like sure, I just yeah. know that. And, and so I just, I want to, I want to, I, 
it doesn't have to be in this, right? Like it could be in something animated or it could be in, in a comic or a novel or something like that. But just to have those two characters in a scene together, I think would be mm. something really special. Um, and I, yeah, yeah. I, it, uh, just anytime that we can connect back with those characters is always nice. And I think that that was the right way to do it. it yeah. I've never really way. had a problem with uh, established characters showing up in star Wars. And like, like I know it's like, people feel like it's it makes the galaxy smaller but it's like yeah but these are the characters i care about i want to see what they're up to also like i'm down for new characters but like i like seeing the characters i like coming back and doing cool stuff and helping the small galaxy thing always bugs me because i i i always just go back to this like it's not an anything galaxy it's made up you guys it doesn't exist for real (laughs) it's a setting it's a backdrop to tell stories about morality and uh, right. uh, you know, like it's like these, this is our modern myth, right? It's it's when people say the same thing about superhero stuff and it's like, um, no, we like it. We mm. like it. It's, it, it, it makes us happy, but there, and that is just, that is the thing that I think I bristle at the most with, with online criticism is that so often it is not about how could this be better. It's about how could I make this thing that makes other people happy? Like, how can I take it down a peg? Yeah. Which like, that's when it bothers me. Right. Cause like you and I, like we'll be critical, right? We were very critical during book of Boba Fett. Hmm. And I think for good reason, there were there, like, that show has a lot of story problems and a lot of pacing issues. Um, and I think that there's one very egregious mistake that they made in killing the Tuscans, right? Like it, for, in order to advance Boba's story, it's like, I doesn't advance Boba's story as much as keeping them around would have. Um, so like, we'll be critical when it, when, when something is in disservice to the characters of the story. Right. Mm. But, um, but if you want to criticize something because it literally makes people happy, yeah. I've never heard a group of people cheer as loud. The only thing I can compare it to is, is, is uh, during the Olympics in Vancouver, watching the, <laughs> watching team Canada, like, like score goals in, in a, in a giant crowd of other people in Vancouver. Um, and it like that moment is when, the hammer goes to cap in Endgame, right? <laughs> Which is like only happens because we can put those characters side by side and we can love yeah. them individually. But yeah. when they come together, it's greater than the sum of its parts. Mm. Right. And, and like that moment, like that moment is the, is the dragon that I chase when I'm watching these shows. I mean, like, listen, I, they, they, they did more fan events because they're trying to promote this show without using the stars. Right. So they did more fan events and they, they showed this episode in theaters. And I, I wish I could have seen this in a theater with a crowd, <laughs> right? Not for the screen. I don't care about the screen. Yeah. My screen's very nice. Right. Like, and I bump up the brightness and like, I make sure that I can actually see what I'm watching. I I've learned that lesson, but I, <laughs> I, so I like watching at home. But the thing that I miss about watching at home, although I got a little bit of it this week because I watched it with Kara, um, is that communal experience watching yeah, it for sure, with yeah. somebody. I mean, like what I would give to watch this show in the same room with you, because <laughs> I think it would transform it for us. Right. Mm. Um, it oh, just makes it a different experience. But Dude, I, I was 
lucky enough, my favorite experience from Anaheim, like out of every amazing thing that happened while I was at Celebration Anaheim, was uh, one of the other artists, Adam Schickling, was accidentally given a hotel room that has a conference room in it. Mm -hmm. So he's like, oh, guys, the first two episodes of Kenobi are debuting. I'll hook up my Disney Plus account to the TV and just like anyone who wants to come will come. And there were about 20 of us all in this giant conference room watching Kenobi together. And it was just as good as a theater experience yeah. to be seeing it for the first time with my friends, only my friends. Yeah. So it was all people that I, I knew every single person in that room. It was so awesome. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, you know, like you said, you're chasing that high. Like that's the high that I want to chase for my yeah, next yeah, like yeah. communal Star Wars experience was. I mean, I mean, I could, I could see you and and Hayden Mm. (laughs) when I was watching Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm. So, um, so I don't know. I, 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 I got a pretty good experience on that one too. (laughs) That's pretty cool. They weren't quite close enough for me to throw something at them, but they were definitely. I mean, like I could see where they were sitting, um, (laughs) the back of their heads. Mm. I along with everybody else. So, uh, I, all the, all the. The, the people that were there from mm-hmm. the, from the show um at celebration so i that that was i mean like like that feeling when when it was revealed that leia was in the show right that room was like electric <laughs> everybody was like are you kidding me that was so good so good i i, I said this on during our obi-wan episodes but you weren't there so i'll, I'll repeat it for your benefit because you're the only one here right now anyways listening <laughs> i i when when you start to it like when it cuts to alderon and then the music kind of starts and we get mm. like we get this slow reveal of the girl that's not actually leia but then mm. like it's the it's like the 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 trick reveal that leia is going to be in the show mm. um right from the second that we saw alderon i turned to amanda uh who was sitting next to me who i was sitting and watching it with uh and i was like I I said the literally the words I was like this is genius. What's the, <laughs> what's the one thing that could get Obi-Wan Kenobi yep. to leave Tatooine? The one thing. There's only <laughs> one thing that could get him to leave that planet. Um and it's Leia. So, yeah. Man, we're so li- people complain about Star Wars. <laughs> people complain about Star Wars. Listen, we have discussions and we go ah, this episode, that episode, whatever. And we, and we can be critical and that sort of thing, but I don't ever want to be seen in this day and age as complaining about star Wars because we are so damn lucky yeah. that we are getting what we're getting, that we got the clone wars, that we got rebels and that all of that can culminate in this Ahsoka show <clears throat> that we've got an Obi-Wan and, and, solo and the sequel trilogy and rogue one and andor like it's just i don't know man other than rise of skywalker (laughs) there really hasn't been anything bad right like and i would say i would say it sucks that it's the finale of like sort of everything where we're at right now but Mm. like that's what it all culminates in is this awful awful story um that 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 like just breaks every promise this saga has ever made um while looking at you and going isn't this what you wanted i thought this is what you guys wanted and it's like no it's not um 
It's you know you know what Rise of Skywalker is. I just had Lucky Charms before I before we started recording. I had a bowl of Lucky Charms, <laughs> okay. and everybody everybody thinks they want a bowl full of marshmallows, but try eating a bowl full of marshmallows <laughs> after the first three spoonfuls, which is the first act of that movie. You're like, you know what? I really miss the cereal pieces. Can we get a little bit of substance here? There, Can we get there, just a little bit? There is a a candy store in Manhattan. Yeah. that sells that it's a it's a box of lucky charms with just the money i don't know i don't think yeah. it's actually lucky charm but it's the exact same yeah. type of marshmallow and this was like i don't know 10 years ago or something that i was there and i saw that and i was like yes i'm doing it i did yeah. had one bowl i was like i am never doing this again exactly yeah no, <laughs> don't you it yeah it is actually the job of a storyteller of a filmmaker to <clears throat> give us what we what we need and not what we want, mm. especially when it comes to Star Wars. So mm. um, on that note, <laughs> let's wrap the episode up. I yeah, I'm so I'm just such a happy Star Wars fan right yeah. now. Yeah, so good, reading good, man. It's so good. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, Joe, thank you for uh, listening to me talk about Star Wars for <laughs> the last two hours. Uh, and uh, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Thunderquack Force Perspectives. Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.